Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, please like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero's story. Today's episode is with Usman Sheikh and his story takes us on a journey of migration from Pakistan to Canada as a young boy. He talks about the challenges they had as a family and then the expectations of his parents and his dad in particular and how that shaped him and how when he landed in Canada, the challenges he went through, you know, the the bad behaviour, dropping out of school, getting into trouble with even gangs and things behind his family's back. But he figured it all out and he found his way and he found himself. And it really is a story of him coming into his own, finding his own identity in a brand new country, which is something that people who've never understood that or lived in a different country can't understand. So for me, it was really eye-opening. Beautiful story, a beautiful man. It was wonderful to hear how he navigated those challenges of being an immigrant in Canada. So enjoy this one with Usman Sheikh. Hello and welcome. It's another episode of Kintsugi Heroes. I'm Evelyn Clark and I'm here with my guest, Usman Sheik. How are you, Usman? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, whereabouts are you based? We're in a small city, uh, Mississauga, uh, right by a half hour drive from Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. Lovely. Well, welcome. Thank you for making the time to be here and joining with me. Uh, I'm to happy to be story. here. So this is obviously Kintsugi Heroes and, uh, you know, this is about sharing our stories and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Um, How about I hand over to you and you take us back to the start. Like, where does your story begin? Yes. Okay. So this is, um, this is, I guess, beginning for us or for me for this story uh, was really um, kind of the time we migrated. Uh, from Pakistan into Canada. In Pakistan, in, in that part of the world, uh, given the income stream we had, we were a uh, reasonably middle-class family and what have you. And then we worked really hard to migrate to a better quality of life because of better education and what have you. Uh, and we wanted to do something that was, um, as a family, uh, you know, to grow in the right direction. Uh, however, when we migrated into this nation, I think I was 11 years old, and it was a June hot summer day. And I still remember that day because um, I had gone through a 24-hour flight, and that dress shirt that I was wearing at the age of 11, it was sticky by the time I came out of the airport. So, uh, but, um, you know, it, um, it was we were very hopeful, very delighted, great to be here, but surprised that it was so hot even in the summer at this time of the year. Uh, but uh, very, very happy. Um, but, you know, we came in and we didn't know a lot. Um, you know, we had some family here as well. Um, but everybody was really, um, 
you know, uh, the working class, they weren't all well off. They were, uh, just getting by and everybody had, um, but they were kind enough to kind of let, let us into their homes so we could transition into this nation. Um, you know, I had, and it was, it was, uh, it was the five of us at that, or six of us at that time, it, myself, my three siblings, my two parents, and then we moved into another apartment, a small apartment, a bone bedroom, uh, apartment with, uh, one washer and a family of six uh, that moved into it with another family that was there. Uh, so it became quite a crowded little place. And that to me was a bit of a shock because we were coming from a reasonably established uh, house and then moving into a very small little area where even getting access to like the washroom, you have to wait 40 minutes or whatever um, and plan these things out. Um, and that was a bit of a rude awakening. And, um, you know, and obviously because we didn't have the, the conversion, currency conversion didn't yield us a lot of uh, funds to start with, uh, we quickly learned how expensive everything was. And what that led to was my mom and my dad really becoming uh, very, very good workers where we traded dollars for hours um, and in order to support the basic needs of the family and feed, our, feed the family. My mom did three jobs. My dad did two jobs, uh, ridiculous hours. He loved doing overtime because they would pay time and a half and he still jokes about it. He loves overtime. Um, and um, what that when that started happening in the first six months, just so we could survive, we soon realized that, you know, financial uh, struggles that everyone kind of knows about but takes for granted unless they don't go through it was a very real problem. Uh, for me, at, at the age of 11, 11, when I realized that, hey, this is an actual struggle where, you know, we can't afford to get boots for the winter, right? You know, uh, so we would have to work with the sneakers we have throughout the summer, and that's what you have, you know. Um, and uh, so at that age, you know, uh, having to kind of step up because my parents were working so much, take care of my younger siblings, take on another parental role where, you know, everything from having to deal with cooking, making sure you have good enough playtime, they're entertained. And at that time, there was no such thing as Netflix, where you can kind of put screen time and people have to take care of their kids. Um, and so you do have to be a more engaged uh, older sibling. Um, and that was a bit of a surprise. And at what that, that age, I had come to the realization that we have to kind of get out of this rat race and have to figure out a way to do that. So the, the seeds for coming up with the vision or the dream that I really wanted to make reality as I got older were kind of planted at that young of an age. Uh, we struggled through it, you know, um, you know, but over time with hard work um, and, and progression, uh, you know, there were setbacks at times, you know, my dad's had to go layoffs, uh, you know, uh, we, you know, we made some bad financial decisions, um, um, and because of that, we felt it again and we, we, we struggled, but, um, you know, uh, we kept together as a family and it, even with all of that, um, you know, it progressed on life progressed 
moving forward in the direction of, uh, okay, just surviving and surviving. But then we got uh, to a point where we, from age 11 to 13 or 14, a couple of years passed, where um, high school was, uh, again, when you have a kid who's got so much responsibility and who's got so much uh, autonomy in their decision-making, and they're working, uh, the parents are working so fast and so much in order to make their ends meet. Uh, that's too much, I think, uh, you know, uh, freedom at that age. And, you know, you get exposed to the wrong, wrong crowd. And I did get exposed to the wrong crowd. I was, uh, at that age, you know, 13 to 14, I was hanging out with folks that were part of a gang that, um, you know, uh, you know, were part of drugs. There was, uh, you know, illegal activities that I was exposed to on a regular basis. Um, you know, and my parents didn't know about this at that time, uh, because obviously, you know, they were too busy and they were just trying to be good parents by making sure that at least we could pay their rent and put food on the table. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was tough because it was a period for a couple of years where it became very dark, where I got involved in lots of fights. I skipped classes and I believe in grade 10, I failed two courses. In grade 11, I failed three courses and I almost got kicked out, expelled out of school because of problems. In fact, I think I failed history uh, below the age of 35. Like who fails history? You just have to show up to kind of uh, finish the stuff and read the material and then write what's how to happen. But I failed it so below the mark that I couldn't even repeat it and make it up for in summer school. In fact, I think I failed chemistry. No, I failed biology and history below the 35. Uh, so I couldn't make it up. So I was really falling behind in school by the time grade 11 happened. And I got in too many fights. Uh, one time I got beat up very hard. I didn't go home until late until I had cleaned up and put them bandages. My parents didn't even know about this. Um, and, um, and among all of this, as I'm struggling through it, I think what happened was I became really good friends with, um, at that point, I didn't know she was going to end up becoming my wife, but at that point, she was just a friend. And um, she just kind of saw me struggling and try to steer me away from it. Um, and I think that, that, that light, that show, that, that was there, that, pulled me out of the community that I had become so ingrained in, whether it was through drugs or uh, gang activity or just doing horrible school or just like pointless BS. Um, you know, it, there was something positive there that I said, hey, I want to keep this. Um, and it kind of became a hope. And I realized at that moment and when I was there in that school, when I kept failing courses, that I've got to get away from this crowd. So by the time grade 12 happened, I walked away. And because, and no, actually in grade 12, I didn't walk away. In OEC, I walked away. By the time I was in grade 12, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to make this work. And I have to go into college because my dad was at that pace. After me, he's like, you're the first kid. You have to set the example. You know, we came here for getting education, quality of life. You must do this. And all he talked about to me was all day. In addition to this new support system, Abby, Abby or my wife at this stage is saying, what the hell are you doing? You got to get organized and I want you to be a good human being and all that stuff. 
So I had finally some, and then having experienced all the negativity that came with all the miserableness that comes with just being an aloof idiot um, and hanging out with the wrong crowd for so many years and doing so much bad things. Uh, I realized this isn't what I want to be by the time I'm 30 or 40 or 50. It was just, um, it was bad. Um, and then I think, um, in grade 12, I tried. I really tried, uh, to get better grades, not skip classes, but because I was in the same school, they would still draw me in. I would still be asked to come out or there'd be a fight broken out. Okay. Gotta go support. Uh, or, you know, there was something, some other event happening for whatever stupid reason. I just couldn't attend class. Uh, and this was a very simple and a complete reality. A lot of folks in that neighborhood, in my age group, uh, if it wasn't my gang, it was somebody else's gang in that neighborhood. And because, especially for immigrant kids who don't have, um, you know, a good oversight and a good family structure at home, that kind of grounds them. Um, so even me trying in grade 12, I couldn't get past the 66% average in my courses. And I need a minimum 70 odd or 72 to get to the most basic level university. Mm. And uh, I realized at that point, this isn't for me. And I just left. I didn't even tell anybody in grade 12. And I just left the school. <laughs> and I moved to a different school. And I went in, registered myself. And um, I, I just I turned around. And I, something clicked. And because I didn't have these distractions. And I think I did night schools to make up. Because I was going to be short credit, credits to graduate from high school. I just studied my ass off right at that at my final year because until then i was gonna drop out of high school and mm. i wasn't gonna get anywhere in life uh whether i was gonna be involved in gang gang uh, gangs and drugs uh and just brad crowd in fact i do have still colleagues that are addicted have addiction issues um and they struggle with it even at this day in their 40s um you know, um, but if I didn't move out of that uh, environment, I think I think I'm happy that by OEC something happened. By that time, I was I was older. I was 20 years old, um, and um, I was able to get my grades. And I actually, my final year when I didn't have all that distraction, I got like 86, and I got scholarships in all universities. Um, and again, it wasn't like anybody was helping. I didn't have an older brother. My there was no tutors in place. I just worked my ass off. Um, and, uh, I was able to get to universities and get through, and that kind of led to my sibling seeing it, um, and turning it around as well, because they were distracted while I was distracted and because I wasn't providing in high school because of the Brad crowd, I stopped playing that paternal role as well that I played, um, and in my younger years, yeah, and it's kind of sad because the crowd and environment plays such a role in in a person's character development. I don't know, so that's where I ended up transitioning, and I think I feel like that's where the mm -hmm. awakening moment was. From I started when we came, um, mm -hmm. and then I realized that I had to get out of it, and I was trapped for a number of years. Apart from your um, now wife, your friend at the time, was there anyone else that gave you advice or 
support or, you know, words of wisdom to help you? I had good friends um, and my dad was definitely um, there uh, in the moments that I was there. He used to work. Uh, he was an IT he was an IT specialist uh, at Rogers. He did anything in IT they gave him there, to be honest. Um, and, you know, he's never done IT before coming to Canada. So he had to go back to college. We didn't even have a computer uh, where we came from. Like, there was no knowledge of that. Like, at that time, it was like Commodore 664, and there's like the big floppy disk that nobody sees anymore. And they like, see them in museums. Uh, but that's the stuff that um, was popular when we moved to this country. And it was, I know how much he struggled and how much he worked so hard to get that one job um, at Roger. But because of that, before that, he was in telemarketing. He did retail sales. He did shipping. And uh, he really struggled because he couldn't find his route. So he went to colleges. Uh, he got some courses out of the way. I don't think he got a full diploma or degree of any sort, just a bunch of courses. That was enough to get him a job at Rogers, which is a very big telecommunications company in Canada. And um, he, because he was in IT, he's always working. But the moment, and he was very stressed because of a very toxic environment. So he was always depressed at home to a certain extent. But in the brief moments that I did, you know, interact with him or whatnot, um, I think for whatever reason, he really emphasized the importance of good education and how that's going to be uh the the salvation to our problems and mm. it's going to right size everything and now that i and i think about it and i talked to my wife here about this as well and part of the reason uh, why i feel like he feels like that was a salvation is because uh my dad to a certain extent was also a self-made person you know he his father died from cancer before he was born and and his mom never remarried my grandma never remarried and so she raised him from the age of 20 till she passed away uh before some sometime when i was in university and um you know he had at, at that point you know he had to get through and he is his cousins that had a proper household uh, you know, they, his first cousins, they all got really good education. They went to Canada and U.S. and U.K. and other places to get the PhDs in various different. So my uncle, my first uncle, he's a chief statistician. Uh, my other uncle, he's, he's, he's the head of uh, civil engineering at University of Toronto. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, my dad always, I guess, looked up to them and felt that because they had access to the resources and a stable family system, they were able to get the education and get out and get ahead. And mm. I think part of that was the reason he, whenever he did talk to me in my teens, it was always about that story. Hey, I'm trying to create this environment so you can go get this education that I couldn't. And to be honest, mm. I don't think it resonated until I really got in a lot of trouble and got beat up a couple of times. And I'm like, hey, you know, what the hell am I doing? Why did we move here? Why did I struggle? And where am I going? How is this going to make somebody who cares about me so deeply and was working his butt off uh, happy? And 
something happened uh, in that time frame, that that struggle that flips the switch the other way because I, I I made wrong decisions midway. I was doing fine when we migrated here, and then I met bad company, and I succumbed to uh, bad bad environment and stuck with it and and became a worse individual until I got kicked in the head a couple of times. And uh, and I really tried to fix it on my own. I couldn't do it. And I realized it's the, it's the freaking environment and I had to get out of it. So I think my dad definitely had, for whatever his faults are, and he has a ton of faults. He's an angry individual. He uh, is stubborn as hell. He's, uh, um, you know, he, he makes it very hard for anybody to love him. But he's a good human being and he means well. And I think his hard work ethic and his drive to pursue uh, a way out of the rat race that we were stuck in uh, was part of the beacon that somehow guided me uh, towards that as well. Because, you know, as much as we want to, we are our parents' kids, especially if they do work hard to look after us in their own ways. We do see that in one way or another. And, you know, there is a time when we're rebelling against them. And I even do it now. And I won't tell this story in his face. But there was definitely moments where, you know, he got through. That sounds really powerful. And uh, what, a, what, a, what a struggle, you know. And yet it's like all credit to you for somehow having this insight and, and the awareness, um, like you said, that just helped flip things. And the guts to, to, to leave schools, you know, um, that, that, that takes tenacity and courage. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. But I don't know if it was tenacity or courage or just being sick of, of the status quo and getting bored. And it, it was just, it was, it was a combination of things, right? It's like, hey, I'm really not going anywhere. And, you know, I did see other folks that were good human beings getting ahead. Uh, and I'm like, you know, from a work ethic perspective and, um, you know, every time I did apply myself, even when I was trapped in that jungle, that was the urban gang where, uh, gang, uh, gangs will have you petty theft and other, other bulk up that we got into, uh, it, it, even in the mo those moments when I did apply myself, I really did enjoy, uh, mathematics and English and things of that nature. Like, uh, I remember in grade 10, in the three or four weeks in a row where I would do, go to class and some reason it was just like, hey, I want to enjoy it. I really did enjoy algebra and what have you. Uh, and even amongst all this, like my English grade never dropped below like high 70s. And that's just because I love reading. Uh, you know, I, I love reading since I was like a, a kid. And even right now, I don't consume too many books. And because it's reading and reading is entertainment, to me, that's why I like English. I'm like, hey, it's just giving me novels to read and talk about them. How awesome is that? It's like watching a bloody movie. I was like, this is free. Uh, so um, there, was, there was always that tug from um, actually enjoying the work and that nerdiness inside that kind of said, hey, I want to do this. And I want to really try myself and apply myself. Um, there were things that I definitely um, deviated from. Sciences, for some reason, I had a block. And uh, I think that's another thing my dad did really well when he tried to make me into a doctor. And I think 
if you talk to any brown dude, you know, they all want the kids to be either doctors, engineers, or lawyers. It's like, it's just, that's just like, you got to be a doctor. You got to be, oh, yeah, my, my son's a doctor. Just, you know, flex your doctor son muscles uh, or doctor daughter muscles. So he realized I really can do sciences, especially when he found out that I got below the requirement that I can't even make up in biology and I have to take the whole damn course again for next year. Um, so he's like, okay, then you know what? All you're going to do is you're going to be a CPA. You're going to be an accountant. Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us continue to produce more hero stories and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all donations. These can be made via our website, kitsukiheroes.com.au. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using ian at kintsugiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story. And you're going to stick to this accountant. And you're going to do this no matter what. You were an accountant. That's what he would say. You were an accountant. And you just, you know, you have to get 90 in accounting. And, you know, I bloody hated accounting. But I'm like, I don't, I hate it less than um, biology, I think. Which is like opening up, uh, you know, frog or uh, other bloody stuff, which I would puke on. So I couldn't tolerate it. And a lot of my wife is into this stuff. But I'm like, I don't know how you keep up with this. Um, so uh, I did my CPA because my dad said I have to do it, even though I've never done tea entry in my life in my career. So I did the whole, you know, CPA exams. I got it. I'm like, I'm like, Dad, here it is. And he's like, Great. Now you're gonna be a great uh, individual, and, a, and a, you're gonna be able to get out of this rat race. Right? And I'm like, I don't think so. I think I'm still gonna be kind of stuck in this rat race I'm like, because it's it's not. Uh, the kind of freedom that you're thinking about, I'm going to be doing like kind of what you're doing, which is working stupid hours just to uh, bring a paycheck home. And um, I said, I, I don't enjoy being an accountant. And um, he didn't get it. He's like, what the hell? You spent so much money on this and time in this and you are good at it and you've already passed and you've got your designation. A lot of people can't do it. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to be an accountant. So I did what I could for a few years until I had. And then as soon as I could, I transitioned out of it. I did other roles outside of accounting. And even in accounting, I didn't do the traditional roles and I finally got into marketing and I just stuck with it. And I love marketing because of the psychology behind things and, and the color and the design and the storytelling. Um, so it's, it's like such a different thing. I'm like, like, if you think about it, I'm like, how did I end up here? But it's like, that's, you do what you have to do with what you've been given, if that makes any sense. What was the impact of your career decisions? from year 12 and then get, getting into university, you mentioned that you've got scholarships. What was the impact of that on your younger siblings? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, it's uh, interesting because um, I do believe that, uh, you know, the there is some things that rub off on them. Uh, and I think, um, I think obviously it did have, to a certain extent, some positive influence. In fact, my dad milked it. Uh, I know my dad. Uh, he, uh, you like your older brother got it. You must get it too now. And if you don't get it, so he worked hard, used that to kind of 
coach or coerce them into getting an education. So all of us have a university degree. And then the funny thing is, all of us have a university degree or master's degree or postgraduate degree, and none of us are actually working in the field that we got our degrees in. And that's four of us. Oh, you know, actually, let me clear the back. My youngest brother, he is a CPA as well, and he is working in finance and he enjoys it. So with that, with the exception of one, I think all of us are like black doing other things that we just got the degrees because our dad wanted to get it. And mm. we got them because, you know, we had to save face and because he wanted to keep him happy. And he said, that's what he cared about. Um, how, looking back, I mean, obviously you've, you've had a career and you're married, you've got children now. Looking back on your upbringing and when you did immigrate to Canada, have, have those le- how have those lessons shaped the decisions you've made or what you've done in your working life? since? Yeah, it's a good question. So I am a sucker for equality of opportunity. Um, and uh, I've got this, this burning desire or passion to some reason, give people who don't have access to the same opportunities because of the privilege or uh, bank account or class and society or the connection an opportunity to shine um i like finding those so i've all i've built this company from the ground up finding every member of my team that has been kind of been the diamond in the rough that is talented that has a drive uh, has ambition has talent but has struggled uh from because of the circumstances they were born in that you know uh and my right hand person in the company my head of operations at webworks labs you know he's a part of a minority group um in a very backward society and uh that is very discriminated on but he's so bloody talented and i saw that he needs a chance and man did he fly um, and because of him, I, more so than me, I think the company is where it is. If I didn't have people like him or Ayodhya Green or Shazib, uh, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be where we are. Uh, and I think that is because of the struggles that my parents faced uh, in looking for opportunities uh, growing up, um, you know, and things of that nature that I realized, you know what, the world isn't a fair place. What the hell can I do to make it more fair? That's fantastic. Um, and what about your siblings? Have they had similar imprints of that time that that's shaped their lives? So yeah, so that's interesting, right? So there's a lot of things that this, they've done uh, that have this, like so. Um, I'm from a brown family, right? But uh, I, uh, and, uh, you know, they all, I believe, married their high school or university sweethearts or whatever. And someone, like, that's also, I think I've noticed as a bit of a uh, pattern there that, you know, they, they all have done that. And I think that's a bit unusual. Um, my youngest definitely did. I, the middle one did. And so did my sister. 
so yeah, it's definitely uh, happened. Um, my other siblings, uh, I feel like uh, you know they have a drive. They have worked hard, but I think um, they have a much more tolerance uh, for the status quo in a lot of ways than I believe I do. Uh, and um, I can't put up with crap, if that makes any sense. I can't put up with people doing the wrong thing, um, even if it means not being diplomatic. Uh, you know, I'll just say, hey, you're, you're going to do something that's going to hurt somebody else, or hey, don't take credit for somebody else's work and stuff like that. And that doesn't fly well in the corporate world. You really got to know how to keep your mouth shut. And so uh, I did get to a senior director, you know, uh, uh, level where I was making a very good salary. Uh, um, but um, I definitely struggled because uh, I wasn't diplomatically or politically uh, as stable or as um, attuned to uh, making it work. So I think that is a defect, I think, in me. More so it is uh, them not wanting to uh, change I've got, and that my wife also sees it. She's like, you're too straight on. You've got to keep things more diplomatic. I'm like, listen, I see it. I tell it. And, and it's worked well for me so far. And she's like, yeah, that's because you finally have your business. But if you try to do this in another environment, it's not going to work. Yeah, there's definitely things that you said it's a defect. I, I think some people would say that's that's a, a gift or, you know, a positive. Yeah, no. it's gotten me in trouble a few times. <laughs> Yeah. That's a gift. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, telling your boss that he's not very good at keeping others happy or it's, it's, it's not a good idea. You know, I can, we can, if we're in a finally in a position to say, hey, you know what? Yeah. If a client teaches, treats, treats any of my team members badly or whatever, we could say, no, thank you. You know, we don't do business mm. uh, with, and, and I, I love, I'm very protected and I stand up uh, for the team that way. Um but in, sometimes in, in the corporate environment, that's not possible. And I know that. And I realize that. Mm. That's why I don't think I'm fit. And I think that's also something that my dad has. He was an entrepreneur before he took on his IT jobs. IT can be so toxic. And I'm not knocking the IT profession. But I know it's a very, it can be a very toxic profession. Uh, if um, And because of the politics and because of um, what have you. Um, then... He he struck he struck with it because first he wanted to make it work for the money and at the same time, um, he, he didn't think he could survive doing anything else here. Uh, mm. But I think that played into his character and he became a very sad and depressed person in a lot of ways. And he's, frankly mm. speaking, he needs therapy because of it. But I don't think he'll ever admit to it ever because it's just not mm. done in the culture. You know, I, I realize that I don't want to end up like that. So I'm, mm. I know my limitations. And I know I can't, I take things to the heart. Uh, I don't, uh, I, I, I can't stand people doing the wrong things uh, and not intervening. And it's an annoyance. It's, it's a weakness that I've got to be able to book away, but I can't do that. And because of that, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't, I've got to create an environment. So I did two jobs uh, when my first one was bo- uh, born. And it, well, I was taking the business off and working in the corporate world uh, for four and a half years uh, until I was able to bring myself on as a full time on payroll and sustain the family. But I kept bringing on clients. I kept bringing on 
team members. Uh, but I knew, and my wife knew patiently that I was very unhappy in my career. Uh, but I, I she, and she was willing to support me through it. Uh, and that, and I, and create, give me the time to do it and kind of be the lead in the house. Uh, even though we, we were pregnant with our second one by the time I finally got my uh, act together and the business was finally stable enough. It's been a, it's been a very interesting journey. Of- yeah, it's interesting from gangs, from migration to a middle class family to 12, 10, 12 people at a given time, uh, in one bedroom apartment to, um, gangs to almost getting kicked out of school to scholarships to, uh, counting and, um, and now, uh, I, I mean, I'm with all this, I still do. I know, and I'm going to sound silly saying this. I'm still very privileged. I still have a very healthy upbringing compared to others that don't even have access to even the most basic stuff in reality that we take still for mm. granted. I complain about like my parents working too much. You know, some people don't even have parents, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, or some people have parents that abuse or other things of that nature. Or, so I, I know uh, it was a, it was rough, but there's a lot more rougher out there. If that makes any sense. Yeah. That's a really healthy and uh, graceful outlook. Mm. Keeps you stable, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Does your parent, do your parents talk to you openly about past and, and decisions they've made? Uh, uh, you know, I think I think some uh, my parents are a little old school. I think it was a different time in approach and how they were raised. And like I said, my dad was almost raised, almost raised himself. By the time he was. Uh, 13, he was earning for the family, right? So he had to get his older sister married. And in that culture, it's the, it's, it's the family's job to find the, uh, sister or the daughter or whatever in that time and that geography. So he had a big burden, um, and, um, sense of being and trying to tell them, hey, you took wrong turns or whatever. I just, <laughs> You know, and that's okay. Uh, that's that's who they are, and you can't change that. I mean, you know, uh, it's really hard to have them see through it. And I don't know if it's even worth their sanity to, to make them see it at this age of their life. Yeah, are they proud of their kids? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think. Um, I think. I think. Uh, so again. I say that I know inside they're happy, but they can always ask for more and knowing them. Uh, that's just who they are. Like, uh, we moved away from them a little bit and like, oh, you know, you're too far away. Um, it should be right beside us. There's never a happy medium. Until we're not in their pockets, I think, I think they're never going to be satisfied. But that's just parents. And especially my dad who's like overprotective warbearing because he never had parents uh, and, um, yeah, so I, that comes with it. And I, I, me knowing this, the, the psychology of um, the, the background that my, and the environment that my parents were raised in, uh, I get where they're coming from. My mom, I don't even think she finished high school. And she did three jobs, right? So, um, yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is. We made it work. You did. You did make it work. It sounds like you've done really well and still going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been running your company for? 
it's going to be eight years now, uh, I think in December. So I started this company uh, helping out my daughter's school uh, when they were struggling to bring people to their website, even though they redesigned it and there was no traffic. And they're like, what are we doing wrong? How come no one's coming to our website? I'm like, because no, it's not discoverable. You're not doing uh, search engine optimization. And they're like, oh, what does that mean? And I'm like, let me help you with that. And then three and a half months later, they're like, oh, we're getting a lot of phone calls. What are you doing? And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's called SEO. It's like, we still don't get what that means, but what else can you do? And here's more money. Mm. Please do mm. more of it. And here's six more people that need your help. And though, at eight years ago, my daughter is going to be nine in November. Uh, that eight years ago, there's still our clients today. Um, and uh, it's just from that one success, it like kind of led to more. Obviously, we lost clients in the way. Some came and some left, some, especially in COVID, uh, you know, some of our beauty salons, they really struggled and uh, they had to uh, close up shop. But uh, we're here. That's wonderful. I absolutely loved hearing your story, Usman, and, and uh, just uh, can only imagine, you know, the the journey you've been on. And uh, I just want to say thank you for for sharing all that and taking us back to your 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 upbringing and what you went through as a kid. Um, I've got a question for you. So there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who are immigrants. They might have gone through things just like you. They might be facing, you know, all those challenges, especially uh, at any age. But, you know, if, if there is someone listening who's going through a similar thing, what would you like to share with them? If you, if you have anybody who cares about you and genuinely cares about you and wants to lift you up, um, you've got to come up with a way to bubble that environment around you with them uh, because it's the peter people ah, it's the people that are with you um that uh make the difference you're gonna make the wrong decisions a lot of times i'm making a lot of i made a lot of wrong decisions uh, a lot of wrong turns uh, but it's the folks that are with you that stick with you because they care about you uh you've got to be able to recognize them and uh, stick with them and let go of the ones that are holding you back. It really is a relationship thing. Great advice. Great words. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you and your time. And thank you so much. It was man, it's been wonderful. Thanks again. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. Join us next week for our next hero story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way.